Welcome back to QAV, episode 420, recorded this day of May the 18th, 2021. Joining Tony and I today, some special guests who we've been trying to work out a time to get them on the show for several months. I'd like to welcome <laughs> Navar Trusolo. Did I get that right, Navar? That's right, that's right. Navar Trusolo and Tom Benny from Navexa. Welcome to QAV, gents. Thank well, you. Thanks for having us. Well, uh, people will probably have heard of Navexa uh, over the last couple of months. If they haven't seen your advertising or uh, if they're not already using the platform, I've been talking about it. And uh, if you go to the uh, front page of the QAV website, you'll see a little embedded uh, chart of our portfolio provided by Navexa. So uh, why don't you guys start off by giving everybody sort of the quick two-minute explanation of what Navexa is, and then Tony and I will ask you scintillating whilst simultaneously entertaining questions. Sounds good. Well, Navexa is a portfolio tracker for um, DIY investors, and we track Everything from stocks, uh, cryptos, unlisted investments. You can um, add property in there, add your stamp collection if you want. And our goal is to kind of democratize investing and data so that even the little guy has the tools that they need to um, make good decisions about their investments. Um, We... We started, well, I started Navexa as a side project initially a few years back, uh, late 2017, I think. And as I brought some friends and and work colleagues in to check it out, it started growing bigger and bigger. And um, in about 2020, we kind of launched as a a business, as it were. So it uh, got promoted from from my side gig to my, my main gig. And um, 2021 so far has been a, a big year for us really ramping up. I guess people will have seen the advertising and and um, all of that good stuff. So that's kind of the, the two-minute rundown of where we're at and where we are. Terrific. Thanks, Navar. So what was your background before you did this? What was your uh, real gig before when this was your side gig? Was it stock-related? So, um. Not really. So I'm a software developer and and have been for the last kind of 10 years working mostly in the financial sector. So I was um, working at NAB a few times, uh, MLC Life Insurance right up before uh, until I until I moved away. So I had a lot of good experience in the, um, in the banking scene and the insurance scene. So I've always been pretty interested in investing. And that's kind of led led me to building Navexa in the first place was just I wanted good tools to help me um, make some good returns, um, chase my dreams, as it were, and um, that's how it came about. So what was – you talked about democratising investing. What's undemocratic about the tools that already exist out there like uh, ShareSight, et cetera? Well, in the industry at large, I think – um, the big players have access to a lot of data that uh, everyone else kind of doesn't. And while everyone can access data and pricing information and company fundamentals data and all that good stuff, 
Um, it's often not presented in a way that makes sense to um, beginners or intermediate investors. And that was a big thing I found when I first started investing was just the there's so much information out there and you can read you can read books and read blogs and go online and find things out. But listen it was really podcasts. hard. Exactly, listen <laughs> to podcasts. But it was hard to kind of bring that all together. So um, I think the community has a lot of good information and there's power in numbers, I feel, uh, particularly with investing. People have access to some info that other people don't and vice versa. So having a place where that can be shared, I think, is is quite a big um, big advantage. So, Navar, you, you mentioned you're trying to democratise finance and it was a bad access to data. Is Navar mainly a portfolio tracking service or, or can we actually get company data through it as well? At the moment, it's mostly a portfolio tracking service, but we have big plans to kind of bring on um, as much data as we can possibly get our hands on, really. So ultimately, I'd like it to see um, you be able to look at a stock, bring up all of its financials, look at who owns it, who the big shareholders are, um, see who else in the VEXA owns um, that stock through our community area, which is an opt-in thing, of course, and then ultimately be able to have discussions with other people on the platform about um, individual stocks. And I think when people have access to seeing that information um, provided by other people and provided by the big players, it really kind of levels the playing field for someone to make a decision on whether they should buy or sell something. Um, so that's the goal. So, so sorry, just how do you achieve that? Because I know that, uh, you know, to rent a Bloomberg screen or an IRS screen is thousands and thousands of dollars a year. How do you make that same sort of data available to the, uh, the the common end retail user? Yeah, and that's a great question. I mean, uh, data comes with a price these days, and every every little bit of extra information costs more money. So, I think we can achieve that with um, scale. So, the more people we can have on the platform, um, that kind of brings the cost down because they're those overheads are spread across a, a big user base. But that's kind of the goal because um, I personally can't afford a Bloomberg terminal, um, nor would I want to pay that much. But I think that kind of info should be available to everyone and um, we, we'll get there one way or another. So you have obviously a back-end data feed that you're just going to have to pay for and then you'll amortise the costs out over your user base. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, essentially. And so the the data from getting the uh, stock quote price every day um, has a cost, quite an expensive one. And so we're covering that. And then if you want company profile data, that costs a bit more. And if you want corporate actions, like it just starts expanding and expanding with the extra costs. So that is a big problem to um, an individual like myself, and that's a, the problem we're trying to solve. So it's going to be sort of a combination platform plus uh, data feed plus community site all wrapped up in one place. Is that the big vision? Yeah, that is the big vision. Uh, we've got a lot of plans for the community section. Um Obviously, there's only uh, so many hours in the day to build these things, so that is an area we'll get to. But, yeah, I think 
We've had a lot of feedback from our current user base about the community section that they'd like to um, follow other people and see what they're buying and selling and be able to ask some questions. So it's like a similar, like a hybrid of Twitter and um, your portfolio tracker and all of those things kind of wrapped into one. So those those kind of features will be rolling out uh, later in the year. Um, and at the moment, we have kind of a beta version of the community at the moment. Yeah, I would just add to that that probably the, the thing that I would say unifies what we want to do down the line with this project is make it possible for people to kind of see their entire financial picture in one place. So I think when you talk about a portfolio tracker, you think about, okay, a, a portfolio of stock investments. Where it gets really interesting is when you factor in property or other unlisted investments into your overall financial life and you start to look at your, I guess, aggregate performance um, because it can be really easy to be um, sort of tunnel vision on one aspect of your financial life, right? You think I've got this one stock that's just killing it or I bought Bitcoin in 2016 and I'm a genius, but maybe you've got a portfolio of absolute dog property investments that's totally dragging you down. So a big part of our plan is to yeah give give people kind of nowhere to hide from their entire financial picture because all all those things are related you know and there's no point in just focusing on the one thing that you think is doing well if you've got all these other things happening in your in your broader portfolio. So would that include things like dodgy dodgy racehorse uh, investments, <laughs> uh, investments in dodgy film projects? Uh, <laughs> It could. I, uh, I actually I had a discussion with um, our other colleague last week about tracking gambling performance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's an interesting one. But I guess some people would be into that. You track that through your bank balance going backwards, isn't it? <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, for people that's investing one. in Afterpay and uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Can I jump in there with a request? Um, that's, what you're talking about there sounds really good. And I remember it was... Um, no, oh, probably 20 years ago, maybe even longer, where I sat down and worked out a financial forecast or a financial plan for that kind of holistic, you know, whole of life, look at our finances. And that was a really motivating thing for me. And it was fairly easy to do in Excel. You just say, this is, you know, I own this much property, I own this much shares. And over the long term, they'll go up this much because they have over the past. Um, and you extend it out until you think you want to retire at 60 or 65 and you go, wow, that's really, you know, if I stay the course, that's going to be really worthwhile. And I think if more people saw that and realised what the potential upside was for them, it would be a really powerful tool and um, be really useful for them. Yeah, and you're 100% right. And, I mean, uh, thinking about annualised performance is a big part of Nevexa. And I think it's hard for people to visualise that, if you can make 10% or 20% every year, what the effect that is going to have over a long period of time. Because we find a lot of people think about their returns in terms of I bought this one stock and it went up like 80%. I'm doing so good. But it's like in 10 years' time, are you just going to hope that stock keeps going up every year or are you just going to be back where you started? And so... um, We've, we've had that request before, uh, particularly from a financial planning point of view, to be able to see what your current portfolio performance is 
and then be able to kind of extrapolate that out to 20, 30 years and assume if it carried on at this current level, um, what kind of returns or what kind of portfolio value am I going to have? Um, and I think I think you're right. It's going to be a big thing for a lot of people, very motivating. Mm. And not just extrapolating at the current rate, but you know the long-term average for the share market or the long-term average for property or give people the option to do that versus the current rate. And it's got, it has the reverse effect too. If, you, if you're faced with the question of what's Bitcoin going to be worth in 30 years, uh, <clears throat> kind of uh, makes it hard to hold it for a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. And, and we're seeing on, in the VEXA, we have a lot of support for cryptocurrencies as well, which has been driven by our user base. And a lot of our customers are moving parts of their portfolio into cryptocurrency um, and everyone's got various opinions on that but um, <laughs> Tony just face palmed oh for people God. who aren't watching the video <laughs> piece of visual yeah, gag pe- people are doing it so um, I think it would be important for those people to think about the long term I mean everyone wants to get rich quick but Chances are, if you aim for the long term, you've got a better success rate at getting rich quick. You always, you always got to love an investment that will go up or down by twenty percent, depending on what Elon Musk says that day. <laughs> yeah, depending on who's hosting yeah, Saturday right. Night Live. <laughs> yeah, that's the fundamentals. When you're doing your, when you're doing your fundamentals of analysis, you have to see, you know, what is it? What does Elon Musk say this week? <laughs> Um, I was just going to say, with, with the kind of tools we're developing and the research that we're getting into, the, the, whether you like it or not, people are, are moving more and more into crypto. But a lot of them don't necessarily look at things with that long-term annualized performance, or we call it the true performance kind of mentality. So for us to be able to give those tools to people who, for better or worse, are getting into that, it's a good in terms of improving those people's financial literacy and and trying to take a bigger, longer-term picture, I think. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of um, portfolio returns, one of the questions we get a lot here is, how do I work out my portfolio return? So how, how do you guys work it out in the VEXA, um, given that some people might be sort of, you know, dollar-cost averaging every month, um, might have a lumpy year this year because they've inherited something or sold a business? How, how does the VEXA handle all those kinds of things? Yeah, that's a very good question and a, and a very complex question at times. So, but under the hood, we're using a formula um, that's close to the modified diets formula or a money weighted return. And we have users across the board. So, we have some buy and hold investors or uh, value investors who just buy a stock once and they sell it later on. And we've got people who are day traders who are buying and selling every day going, closing out a position, reopening, closing. So it can get quite complex, but we've, uh, we're using kind of a formula that gives the best of both worlds for that, which factors in things like currency gain, capital gain, um, dividend performance. So you can really get a, a true picture of your overall performance. And a lot of people are uh, managing their portfolio and spreadsheets um, which I think is fine and, and some of the time is fine. I've seen so many examples where somebody has an error in their spreadsheet which they don't know about and they're making investment decisions for years based on 
thinking that they're doing better or maybe even thinking they're doing worse than what they really are. And that's kind of where the big problems come in. So our formula is not only being built and tested by myself, um, our whole community is constantly scrutinizing our performance. So not only is it tested against um, the original formula, but it's tested against the whole community as well. And we've definitely um, been able to make improvements like that too. So I think our methodology for uh, performance return would be superior to um, an individual trying to do it themselves, um, just because it, it's so risky. Um, you can, if anyone's done Excel formulas before, it doesn't take much to to get it very wrong. And if you don't know, like you don't know. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I have no idea uh, how people can screw up spreadsheet. Uh, portfolios, Navar. I uh, have no no direct experience with that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, ask, later on, ask him about our March performance and our April performance. <laughs> <laughs> did it did it do better or worse than you wanted? Well, March it did March it did worse, and April it did better. <laughs> it was like following you, like Elon Musk twits, twitters there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I am absolutely hopeless with uh, that kind of stuff in spreadsheets. And, and look, and it's I know it's not just me. I had a client a few years ago that built a product for uh, budgeting and forecasting for big uh, industrial projects, and the whole business plan of theirs, they, they were building a cloud-based <clears throat> service, and the whole uh, idea behind it was based on their experiences, like former senior executives of very large mining companies. Most large businesses have very, very highly skilled, highly paid uh, uh, analysts and planners using spreadsheets that the error rates were extraordinarily high. And once an error creeps in, it just goes all the way through the plan and the organization. And uh, I was shocked when they told me what the error rates were and uh, how often they occur inside of you know billion dollar corporations. So it's not just yeah. you know numb nuts like me that make mistakes in spreadsheets. Apparently, it's pretty uh, common. Yeah, no, and I personally have worked in some big uh, companies, which I won't name, but they're operating some very high net worth investments out of a spreadsheet, and it was quite scary to look at. But um, it is happening. So. I can imagine what the error rates are. I, I know of a bank that used to operate its loyalty program off a spreadsheet and had a reckoning one year when the auditors said, no, nah, that's not what you got. <laughs> you may think you owe people that much. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you, talking about uh, the sort of visibility of what people are doing, you mentioned uh, crypto investments. I always find it fascinating when we have businesses like yours on, whether it's a broker platform or a portfolio platform, because you have a level of visibility about what's going on that the rest of us really don't have. So apart from people moving investments into crypto, anything else that you've seen recently that you thought was interesting? Yeah, like we're in the last year, we've kind of seen a lot of people moving into the new trading platforms like Robinhood and and the like. So there's some interesting trades where people are buying fractions of a share, which wasn't a very common um, scenario in the past. We've got uh, brokers like Sharesies from New Zealand who are now in Australia, where you can buy like one cent of a share 
Um, so that's had a lot of interesting effect that people can get. Traditionally, you, you'd buy an ETF and you get a lot of diversification um, with your, your usual $500 minimum purchase. But now people with a dollar can diversify into 100 different stocks uh, using these kind of platforms. So those those new things are going big. We're seeing um, a lot of Australian investors getting into US stocks quite a bit more. And I think that's driven like largely by some Elon Musk action and uh, and the big companies there, the FANG stocks in particular. So traditionally we were we would have Australian investors sticking to Australian stocks. Um, but now that it's so easy to to buy into foreign stocks, that's happening quite a bit more. But the um the fractional share one's been very interesting because it causes all sorts of interesting scenarios where you have a fraction of a stock that pays a dividend and you don't have enough of the stock to even earn one dividend. So it the balance can carry over for a very long time before you actually get paid out. Um, but I think with with COVID and everyone stuck at home, there's been huge rates of new brokerage accounts uh, being created. And that's put a lot of new investors into the market, particularly younger investors as well. And a lot of gambling going on, I would say, in the market. But hopefully those kind of younger people will will learn that's not an ideal strategy and not leave the investment game forever, but just get better better educated on on how to do investing. And that's a big area that, that we want to help with as well, helping young investors get into it. And I frequently get asked by people um, who are getting into investing, like, where do they start? And it's still a good question. There's a lot of a lot of good books and and blogs and stuff out there, but everyone has their own individual expectations of what investing is going to be. And I can present um, some value investing principles to a person, and they they might love that, or they might go, "Oh no, that sounds like it takes too long. I'm going to buy some cryptos or whatever they want to do." So it's a uh, it still surprises me that investing's been around this long and still people have no idea uh, what they're doing. Yeah, it's the system works against it. You can't charge fees if, you, if people know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the things that, uh, you know, I'm interested and I hope you guys will uh, start producing reports on this at some point is, you know, when, when like we've, been, we've, we've talked a lot about um, Afterpay over the last couple of years, we've been doing this and, and I assume that uh, a lot of people, when they're investing in high growth stocks like that or in, in Bitcoin, they're thinking that they will ride the wave and they will be the ones that will get out at the right time so they will profit when everyone else uh, doesn't. And then so we see Afterpay's, um, you know, what I don't know how much it's come back now, but from like, what I think it hit like 140 and now it's down around 83 or something like that. I'm really fascinated how many people have got out. How many people uh, have got out and made a profit and how many people are still sitting in there thinking it'll it'll go back up? How do they know when to sell? Like we have a three-point trend line rule that Tony says uh, when it breaches that, we, we, we should sell. 
Uh, I wonder how many people have methodologies like that. You 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 must have a good level of visibility about how many people are getting out, how many people are holding on with diamond hands like GME investors, uh, you know, to the moon, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully, you, you got any plans to produce like uh, reports on that kind of stuff down the track? Yeah, I mean that's an area where really looking forward to getting into because, as you say, we we have access to a lot of um, broad market data and insights into kind of um, people's behaviour. And, I mean, to answer your question, are, are people getting out? I don't think so. I think it's mostly a classic um, once the sky is falling, everyone starts getting out. But... I don't. I haven't seen any any kind of big moves of of people selling out all their cryptos, for example, um, around now, which is arguably the a market peak if you're following those kind of things. But yes, we are. We and Tom, I think, can answer this a bit more. But we're hoping to put together some um, fantastic insights into um, market data and things like that. <laughs> Just going to quickly say after 30 or 40 years of watching markets, people get in at the peak, not get out. Hmm. <laughs> not until it gets to the bottom, they get out. Absolutely. There was, um, there was a report today about what's happening with cryptos at the moment that they suspect the data seems to show that it's all the people that got in at the height of the latest wave of euphoria that they're the first to sell because I think what happens, um, and a lot of people experience this in some form or another at some point, you get in and then you realize, and it all starts falling. You're like, I realize that I don't actually have a reason to be in this other than everyone's doing it, so I should do it too. So then you freak out and you run, and then that sort of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, but yeah, in terms of research and data and, and what you can do with observing trends and producing kind of useful intelligence for people with a, a community like we're trying to create, it's it's pretty exciting. Honestly, it's um, it's a lot of work, and we have a long way to go to get to the point where we can do that in a really, really high quality way. But yeah, that's that's a big, big part of why we're doing what we're doing. Any last uh, insights you wanted to share, or Tony? Any last questions? You haven't asked them about their own individual investing performance yet, Tony. I warn them that you might ask them that. Yeah, hundred percent in crypto, mate. So don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I won't ask you your performance then. Naval, do you want to talk about how you invest at all? Yeah, no, definitely. I've When I started out, I started out about six years ago. Um, still a young lad, so got a bit of time ahead of me. But the classic story of kind of Warren Buffett was something that resonated with me. And so I learned all about value investing and and read like The Intelligent Investor and, and all the kind of recommended reading around that stuff. And... So far, I mean, that methodology has has helped me quite well. I think um, I've made about a 16% annualised return so far over um, the last six years now, which I think is pretty pretty tidy. And that's just basically been down to valuing a stock that I like. If it's selling for a slight discount or hopefully a big discount, I buy it. And then uh, so far they've all gone to the value that I've valued them at. So I might be fluking it a bit, but um, so far it seems to be working out. And the thing, though, that I take comfort in with that is I have an approach that I know 
If it doesn't fit in this, I don't buy it, whatever, no matter what it is. If it does fit in this, I do buy it. And having an exit strategy as well, I think is a big deal because you can buy in if it's like, if a stock's going nuts or a crypto's going nuts. But if you have no idea when you're going to get out of it, um, it could go back down to zero by the time you figure that out. So my exit strategy is I periodically revalue things. And if I think it's often a few stocks I have are way overvalued, so I wouldn't buy them again now. But when you look at the fundamentals data and you can see the companies performing well and they're continuing to perform well, I just stay in that position. But if there's been some significant change, like the CEO has has quit and there's a new CEO and things are a bit shaky, um, if things are overvalued at that point, that's when I'd look at at, uh, at least pulling my original investment back out or or closing out completely. So that's kind of my strategy um, and how I've been going. But now, now that I'm running a startup, um, Novexa, I've uh, exited a lot of my positions to help support that cause. So I'm hoping to get back into investing in a big way in the next next few months. Oh, well done. You're one of us. Very good. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on. And um, on a personal note, thanks for all of the help that you guys have done for me over the last couple of months, getting the QAV portfolio set up and running in there and the embed code uh, that I can put on the website. Because as I've explained, my objective is to stop using spreadsheets to track our QAV portfolio and just use uh, a tool that uh, that will a let me run it and b will let me uh be transparent about what we're doing to our subscribers so they can see the what we're buying and what we're selling and when and how the performance is and all that kind of stuff so you're taking that off my hands and i'd like to thank you for that no very good i'm glad um glad you're getting use out of it so far it's great well, thanks, guys. Uh, uh, what's the URL? It's a weird one, right? It's Navexa, N-A-V-E-X-A dot I-O. Or people could just Google Navexa, I guess, or jump onto yep, our website. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, What definitely. are your fees? Um, you want to tell people your fees while you're here? Yeah, so we've got uh, three plans. They have varying levels of, of what you get access to. Um, the common plan is the annual price is $168. Um, which we feel is pretty reasonable at this point. So we have a kind of two-week free trial. So come on, come in to the website, sign up, give it a go. Um, and if you love it, stick around. And we're, we're always open to feedback and suggestions. So um, send those through as well and we'll make it happen. Uh, Navar, Tom, thanks for uh, coming on and chatting. Good luck. Good luck with it all. Hope it does well and uh, you... Make a trillion dollars out of it when you sell it to Afterpay. That's right. We're going to the moon. <laughs> or at, or at yeah. Atlassian or one of these guys. All right, yeah. guys. Put it, put it all in Bitcoin. Exactly. See ya. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au 
and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. And also we get a a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you're trying to figure out what's going on, Go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in Season 1, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.